You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. We're recording this time. I failed to hit record, so I'm doing it again. I'm at Roto Librarian, Ryan Livergood. Joining me this evening, we don't have Will Greenwood, but we have from North Carolina, Trey Barrett. Trey, what's going on? What's up, man? I'm pretty excited. Uh, I know you're going to introduce our guest tonight. I'm pretty, pretty stoked to to chat. It's a man. It's a fun time of year. Talking, uh, talking dynasty. A lot of a lot of guys are checking out, but but not us, man. We're trying to win some titles, so we're uh, looking towards the combine, the NFL draft, making some moves. Um, so it's a, it's an exciting time of year. What a what a time to be alive, gentlemen. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I get to do it a second time, Jordan. I get to introduce you again. It's Jordan McNamara at McNamara Dynasty, uh, part of the UTH family. He's written this book, The Analytics of Dynasty. Uh, Trey and I are huge fans. We've talked about it, at least on the last episode. We love it. There's a lot of information in this book, Jordan, you can apply to improving your teams right now. So welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, I'm excited to be here. It's just, I think it's my second stop on your show. And I know I did. I know we did it last summer. I think you, you've been on three. You were at the draft oh, party right. as well. So we did the we did the we did the um, we did right around rookie draft time. So yeah, it uh, feels like home away from home at this point. Yeah, you're like our Alec Baldwin, you know, like on SNL. You know, we we got Jordan McNamara. You know, I have to say, Tim Torch, your uh, your mate over there at uh, ETH, has been on the show quite a few times. So you and Tim kind of have a competition going now. Yeah, Tim. Uh, I still got to get Tim on my YouTube channel to talk about James Conner, but I'm still waiting on that. So we'll see. <laughs> I'll have you guys negotiate for me. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Uh, all right, so let's jump right into it. We're going to talk a little about your book. We're actually going to use lessons from the Analytics of Dynasty to look at a roster, and and Jordan's going to you're going to give feedback on what you think one of our listeners should do to improve his team. But first, let's talk about Chris Godwin. On Twitter the other day, I posted, "What do you think of Chris Godwin? Is he a buy or sell?" Uh, Trey, Will, and I have had a lot of conversations about what to do with him, and we kind of are torn, but Twitter thinks he's a buy, 57%. 21% of Twitter thinks he's a sell, and then 22% thinks he's a hold. So, Jordan, again, we started talking about it already, but what do you think of Chris Godwin? You know, it's funny. We were talking – we talked before off-air about his startup cost, and it's basically it's a fifth-round pick. You know, he's going ahead of guys like Allen Robinson and – Sammy Watkins and round multiple rounds ahead of Wolf Fuller, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I look at that and it just seems like he's a clear avoid. You know, one of the things I talk about in the book is how do you, you know, how, how you build a good dynasty team. You don't miss early. Right. And so one of the problems with a guy like Chris Godwin is you look at his profile and he's a third round, he's a third round receiver. They hit 15% of the time for a top 24 season. You know, I look at the targets for, you know, how do you piece together the targets to hit a top 24 season? That's how I define a hit rate for receivers in my book uh, as a top 24 season. And, you know, you look at the guys that that hit that, right? You're looking in the 110 to one, you know, basically between 100 and, you know, 115 in terms of targets. That's really what you're looking at to get sort of into that range. You need to hit that threshold if not more, right? But that's sort of, you have to feel comfortable with that to project that. And I don't know, I see, I look at this team and you get Mike Evans, who's just going to hog up targets and you get OJ Howard's not going anywhere. There's been a lot of hand-wringing about 
about OJ Howard and Bruce Arians offense. I mean, I just don't see him not being an integral part of their passing game. I think that part's overstated. And now we come back to Chris Godwin and, you know, I, I, I can like a player. I wasn't super enthused about Chris Godwin coming out. I saw holes in his game. I think that we're, I was a little bit, um, you know, lower than the market on him. Right. And, and I think that his draft stock regresses down lower than I think where people thought he was going to go. Right. So we should sort of draw back to that a little bit. And right. He's still a third round pick. And one thing I like to do is look at players in buckets, right. You know, all right. How do we feel about Chris Godwin? Let's take the name away from him for a second. You know, he, he, he is a, he's a third round draft pick and right. We should come at it sort of from that baseline, right. He's a third round draft pick on a team where he's not the number one wide receiver. You sort of start, start looking at those things. And do you really want to pay a fifth round startup cost for that? The answer to that for me is no. However, I look at the trade market and it's actually, I mean, you know, Chris Godwin for George Kittle and a start one tight end, you know, Chris Godwin for Tyler Boyd, Chris Godwin in a second for DJ Moore. I mean, it's not like it's a runaway train in terms of his cost. You know, Chris Godwin and Kenyon Drake for Adam Thielen, right? Chris Godwin straight up basic, essentially for Kenny Galladay is one of the more expensive trades. So you know, that's not really running away in terms of cost. You know, it's maybe uh, those higher end picks are maybe a round or so ahead of where he's going in startups. But, you know, so I sort of look at that and it seems to me that it's the, the trade cost isn't out of control. Um, and it'd be interesting to see if, you know, with all those people, you know, with the majority of people responding as a buy to see if that cost starts going up. Yeah, it will be interesting. And one of the things I said to Trey was uh, so I've got him in a league and I started to shop him but then I said to Trey is this the right time to do it should I hold him and see if his value goes up because there's going to be buzz I think Bruce Arians coming to Tampa people are going to see that oh Tampa they can support two wide receiver twos because I think Adam Humphreys was either there as wide receiver two or was just outside of it so maybe that narrative will build and people will think okay Godwin's going to step into that spot Uh, Trey did where did you uh end up on Godwin are you still thinking about it or do you do you think he's by yourself well, I think that if his trade, you know, I mean, if I can go out and get, you know, those guys who were talking about Allen Robinson, Will Fuller, or Sammy Watkins for a Chris Godwin, I would gladly move him. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if his trade, you know, again, ADP and trade value don't always line up. So, you know, one of my concerns, and this just could be, you know, echo chamber stuff, but, you know, I, I have heard, I think I've heard it on two different podcasts where there's you know, the possibility that John Brown could make his way down to Tampa um, and, you know, reunite with Bruce Arians. So I I just, you know, Deshaun Jackson may be back. I mean, there's just so many, you know, uh, scenarios where Chris Godwin isn't even the number two wide receiver on that team or isn't even second on that team in targets. So for me right now is a great time to sell because literally in two months after free agency kind of settles out, his value could plummet. Um, so I don't, I would have a hard time seeing his value get any higher than the fifth round of startup. So I, I would say I have a couple shares of Chris Godwin and um, I am shopping him actively. Would would love to be at a point where, you know, come the time of the NFL draft, I really don't have any shares. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's good logic. That makes a lot of sense. It, and that's one thing that sometimes we forget about when we think about free agents, um, not only does their Alani sort of a free agent affect the free agents value, but other players on that team as well. So that's certainly a scenario that could happen in Tampa. 
seems to me like he's the perfect player to maybe not necessarily trade at cost or right to trade sort of a one for one, but if he's a, if he's the two and a two for one, right. Where you're getting the upgrade. It seems to me that he's the type of player that you want to try and execute that type of trade with. Uh, because I think that if you add Chris, you know, you look at Chris Godwin and, and Kenyon Drake, I think Kenyon Drake's probably undervalued by the market, but you look at that type, what that type of deal would net you. And that's Adam Thielen. Again, not necessarily a player that I would, that I would jump all over myself to trade for, but you just sort of look at what the market value does. I think he has, when you, when you put him in that type of trade, I think he probably draws more than you would get for him in a one for one type deal. Guys, why don't we jump into roster analysis right now? Uh, one of our listeners, Jake Patterson, sent us his roster because I, I sent out to a message in the Fantasy Addicts support group that several of our league mates are, are part of. And uh, Jake responded saying, I'd love to have my League of Ballers roster looked at. This is a league that Trey, Will, and I are all in. He says, this is easily the worst team I have. I love my two running backs and Chubb and Geis, but I've got a lot of question marks on my team. No first-rounders this year, but two next year. Um, my team is not very deep, and clearly there are some top contenders in this league, including the three Fantasy Joes. And I will add that it's not just Fantasy Joes. There are at least two or three other teams I can think of that have teams that are contenders next year. So this is a league I think that's pretty top-heavy. Several teams that can contend next year. The settings, this is a Superflex league, half-point PPR, Trey, I think we're expanding to 24, uh, right? I think it is at 19 right now, but we're increasing to 24 this next year. That's yeah, right. So yep. um, I, the start uh, starting lineup, I, I think this is correct. One quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, two flex, and then a super flex position. So Jordan, um, I don't know if, you, if, it, if it's good podcasting to read this roster or do you just want to kind of – talk about it player by players or start with the positions. How do you want to break this down, Jordan? If you're, let's say you take this team over as an orphan, how are you going to break it down? One of the great things about analytics of dynasty I want to mention is my favorite section at the end, Jordan, you document uh, an orphan team. Did you take it over two or three years ago? I took it over. I think it was April, 2016. So yeah, it was April, 2016. And it's fascinating because you break down like trade by trade, deal by deal, like what you did in trades and what you did in rookie drafts. And you also document your mistakes. And I love that, Jordan, because like we've all made these really dumb trades in, in hindsight. And I love that you put that out there and you're like, that was not smart. And here's why it wasn't smart. What, here's what I learned from it. So it's a great section of the book. You got to buy the book and read that section. It's worth the money alone. But anyway, how, how do you want to start to break down this team? Well, yeah, a by the way, about that section, that trade might be, there was a trade in there. I'm not going to give away the details, but you can see it in the book. And like, I'm totally transparent about all the picks I made and everything in that, in that particular chapter. And I think you could see sort of, I don't know, the implementation of the sort of strategy that I did. And that was sort of the, that was a capstone project, I guess, but that might be, there's the trade in there that might be the worst trade in hindsight that I've ever seen. So, I mean, that's how bad the trade was. Um, I essentially, yeah, I'll just say I, I ended up trading uh, essentially a, um, let's see, probably two top 50 assets and what ended up being the 201 for the 10, well, for the 112. So that's the sort of 
trade it was. So I'll just leave it at that, but you can go see it. There's other trades in there that really turned it around. So one of the things I would say when people are adopting orphans, I think it's a fantastic exercise to do. I think, uh, especially bad ones, take over terrible orphans, right? Take over, you know, listen, if you can get a deal on them, even better, right? Just listen. I, and especially in that scenario, I can take, you know, what the first two years are paid for, you know, but, you know, basically get half off something like that. And there's a lot of public places you can do that. There's public leagues that you can do that type of thing. Um, you know, tear it down and, and, and sort of build it up. And I love that sort of idea. And I think it teaches you a lot about how to implement this stuff. So one thing I would say is sort of at the outset, you know, I, I think that by and large, you know, there's a Sam Hinkie quote in my book that he was the former um, general manager of the 76ers, the Philadelphia 76ers. And he, he had this phrase that basically describes the basketball analytics revolution. It was basically defense is poorly measured and three is greater than two. And like, when you think about it, it, it makes total sense. Uh, it seems like a super simplistic statement, but when you think about it, it, it makes total sense. And was contrarian at the time that he thought about it, right? People were taking long twos instead of taking two steps back and taking a, a three. And so you've so, sort of seen that shot eliminated. So I think from my book and from my analysis, what I would what I would say is I think the two rules are rookie picks are undervalued and running backs over receivers. So this is obviously super flex. So, um, you know, and this team is, I think there's a mandatory start two wide receivers. So generally speaking, if I'm, if I'm looking to sort of rebuild, I'm trying to whittle away at the receiver position. And what I mean by that is trade what I think is a value that isn't a core asset, right? Something that I don't feel great about long-term, get it off my roster and get some sort of value for it. So this roster in particular has, you know, I'll just start with wide receivers because that's usually where I start to look on, on my teams. He's got Antonio Brown, Amari Cooper, uh, Anthony Miller, Devin Funches, Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson, D.D. Westbrook, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, I'd say I, I think the lo best long-term asset there is Amari Cooper. I think he's still undervalued, even though how good he was. And I mean, he, he could be a round one startup pick 12 months from now. It wouldn't shock me at all. I thought he going to Dallas was the best thing that could happen for his career. And I thought it looked great. So give him a full off season. I think that's great. Antonio Brown's one of these players. It's a, it's sort of a tough to be in the business right now because you're sort of caught between, you know, all the uncertainty about him. There's news, you know, about a domestic violence incident. And I'll just say, you know, I've got, I have some, non-dynasty related work experience in that field and you know i don't think he's going to get suspended for what happened um you know this isn't a zeke situation to me on the face of it um so but i think he's he's not trading it at an elite value right now because of all the uncertainty so i wouldn't necessarily be in a scenario where i'd want to go out and sell off Antonio Brown i think the way i would attack this is i would attack by getting rid of by shopping um, Anthony Miller. And you look at Anthony Miller, and again, I think the best way to look at players and look at all these types of deals is look at, you know, look at players and what type of box they represent, right? Anthony Miller is a day two wide receiver. They hit 22% of the time, right? You know, when 
you know, and when they hit, you know, the, the guys that hit in that range tend to be the metric guys, right? Juju Smith-Schuster, um, Cooper Cup, right? Those guys, you know, James Washington was a big-time metric guy that was, you know, that's simmering right now. Um, you look at those guys, those those guys that sustain, you know, Zay Jones is a good example of that. He had a lot of metric things, and he hasn't hit yet. But you sort of look at that profile, and that's the type of receiver that I like to target at an appropriate cost. I look at some of the trades that, that Anthony Miller's drawing. Anthony Miller for Kenyon Drake. Um, Anthony Miller for in a, in a 19 second for a 2021st, and I love that trade. You know, um, Anthony Miller for Jarek McKinnon. I would I would try and be in the business of moving off from Anthony Miller. That would sort of be the my first opening salvo of this. Now, you know, do you can that and Superflex can he draw you back Matthew Stafford? Right. I mean, I own Matthew Stafford. Get, the answer is no. In this okay. league, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, but so yeah, that, that's I, good I would, thinking. I wouldn't do that, but you know, I I sort of look at my first thought would be, all right, let's get Anthony Miller and let's either package him for a a better quarterback or an upgrade someplace else. Right. So, and I think that probably the best way to do that's at running back. Um, you know, and so I look, you know, he's got Devin Funches who, you know, the market's down on, you're probably not going to draw anything from him. Kenny Stills is a guy I think is undervalued by the market. I might be willing to cut a guy like Albert Wilson. If I could get a 2022nd for DD Westbrook, I'd do that. And the same for Marcus Velvet scaling. So those would sort of be my approaches on those guys. Okay. No, I like it. That's, that's a, that's a great breakdown with the wide receivers um and and just for the listeners if they're wondering this is a super flex league who the qbs are he has three he has cam newton case keenum and and mason rudolph so jake's got to do something about his quarterback situation for for sure so yeah maybe maybe if a different owner had had matthew stafford maybe you could get some traction with anthony miller for matthew stafford um jake has approached me about my my quarterbacks because i have five of them I, i offered him flacco in a deal and he just didn't want to bite so with a team like Jordan, maybe you can help me out moving Flacco to, to Jake because would you make any moves for a guy like him? Like if, if you're Jake's team and he has a, you know, a quarterback deficiency in a super flex league, is Flacco a guy that you would consider? Or you just like, what, what's, can we talk about, I mean, well, I'll let you lead the conversation, but that was just a question that came into my mind. Yeah. I mean, again, I, so part of the analytics of dynasty, right. One of the things that I, I wanted to look at was, what really started to drive my thought on this is when people say statements like, um, you know, he's a good sixth round pick, you know, what does that mean? Right. And so I started really looking at, at, that's really what I was trying to tackle when I, when I started writing the book, you know, what's, what does a startup pick mean? What, what is, what do those values mean? And what I really, it, it became so much more. And one of the things I really found was, was about, I think draft pedigree at certain positions is a, a big time deal. And, you know, and I, I've, came, I've come up with a couple of metrics called warp, right? Wins over replacement player. And that basically will measure you how many, how many wins a player will add to your roster um, compared to what, what they, you know, what a replacement level player would be. And he's got Case Keenum and Mason Rudolph. And so I would say Case Keenum's probably around, he's around what about the, the replacement player would be. Obviously you have questions with Cam Newton, um, and so I, I look at Flacco and I think Flacco is interesting because again, you, 
I think one of the things you do in, in particularly at running back, or excuse me, particularly at quarterback and at tight end, and Eric Ebron's a great example of tight end, but you, you know, the, the guys that hit are first round quarterbacks. And you, you know, one of the things I did was look from 2008 to 2017 and basically all the players drafted in there, 52% of quarterbacks hit, um, as a top that were drafted in the first round hit as a, as a top 12 quarterback, that number is actually higher because that did not include my data in the, the chart in the, in the book didn't include the 2018 season where, um, Mahomes, Watson, and uh, both hit, and Trubisky was basically quarterback 15. So, you know, that, that number is closer to 60%. And so you look at a guy like Rudolph, you know, it's, it's basically three out of 12 guys from the second round have hit, right? And so you sort of look, and it drops down way below that. Day, day three guys rarely hit. And so I, you know, I sort of look at those things and Flacco is appealing to me from that sort of buy low on pedigree type of thing. Now, how much upside does he have? Is it probably a different conversation? But I think that for this particular roster, I would be, you know, I would, I would say I need some depth. So let's sort of, you know, figure out, you know, can, can you trade Anthony Miller and for a 2022nd and Joe Flacco? I don't know, but that would sort of be the type of deal that I would t- try and look at. I like that deal as a Flacco owner, Jake. So let's talk after you listen to this episode. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's a deal that makes sense. And I, it, it's, yeah, in, in our league, I think people are starting to figure out, we've been going for what, three or four years, Trey, that in League of Ballers, that you know, quarterback value is starting to rise. It's interesting when you start a super flex league with some people and some people haven't done it, how quarterback values, they vary. But um but Jordan, you talk a lot about in your book how important it is in, in Superflex leagues to have, you know, do you, you focus on that position, right? Yeah, I always say attack the premiums, right? That might seem like a an easy and maybe easier said than done. But he's got he's got three quarterbacks in a superflex league. And you what'd you say? The rosters were expanding by six players, something like that. It goes nineteen to twenty five, I think you said something. I think it's nineteen to twenty four. Like yeah, okay. Yeah. So you're getting, you're getting five roster spots in there, right? Figure out, you know, let's attack that position a little bit, right? Let's go. And, you know, and I'm not necessarily saying that you need to, you know, you need to trade up in a rookie draft and mortgage the future to try and get, you know, Dwayne Haskins, but you can do, you know, Hey, Hey, is a guy like Nick Mullins available? You know, is he available for, you know, on the off chance that he gets traded, right? You sort of take speculative bets like that. And what what I would look at is guys like Ryan Tannehill, right? Guys who have depressed values that you you sort of see that, you know, he he has had glimpses and those sort of those those things that you've seen in his profile that I just it didn't work out for a variety of reasons in Miami, but he's probably gonna land on his feet. And you know what, people are down on him. He's probably outside of the top twenty five in terms of in terms of startup or in terms of startup ADP, that's the perfect type of guy to bet on, right? You know, um, Garoppolo's coming back, so no one's on Nick Mullins, right? So, you know, is he a guy that you can trade a fourth-round rookie pick for? That's something that would really interest me, um, you know, because he's shown the ability to do that, and maybe he becomes a trade piece later on, you know. So those are sort of things that I would look at, you know, is Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Look at those sort of retread guys, you know. I, I end up, you know, wanting to pull my teeth out when I have Blaine Gabbert and start two. 
but you know what? Blaine Gabbert in start two, you know, he was viable for weeks, right? If you had to start him, you could. Um, that's sort of the approach that I would take. I would be in the volume business of, of high-end backups. It, and, you know, because we'd be surprised at how many injuries there are at quarterback. There was a lot of quarterbacks that started this year. Um, I think it was upwards of 45, if not closer to 55 that started this year. And so, you know, you just, you're trying to capture week by week some, some upside. And that's sort of, you know, that would sort of be the approach that I would take. Cause I don't think with a rookie pick, you're going to probably get a starter. He has 208. So I don't think he's going to get a, 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 a probably a first round rookie at 208 this year. You know, another guy that I think is a great buy in super flex leagues right now is Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he's, he's being massively uh, discounted. And, you know, I uh, talked about this briefly on the um, dynasty trade cast a few weeks ago, but the, the guy that's taken over, I think it's the new Bengals head coach. Is it Zach Taylor? Yes. The one that's saying, yeah. Yep. He, he, he was in Miami and, um, under his tutelage was when uh, Tannehill put up the massive numbers he did to start his career. So um, I, I think that, you know, Andy Dalton, and I mean, he's got a ton of weapons there. And so anyway, I think Andy Dalton's another guy that you could really go after in super flex leagues. I think he's being pretty, pretty neglected. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And you know what, those guys, there's only a handful and what, you know, people want to, the next great thing and all of that stuff is fine, but there's only so many guys that are capable of handling uh, uh, being a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I'll give you a hint. It's not, there's not 32 of them walking the face of the earth, right? So guys like Andy Dalton who have a, uh, a track record, right. Who have a, you know, it might not be the highest upside, but he's going to land on his feet because there's not enough people to fill these jobs. Right. So if, if for contractual reasons or whatever, uh, he, he is gone from Cincinnati, you know, he's going to land someplace and have the opportunity to be a starter. I mean, we saw that with Sam Bradford ad nauseum, right? And Sam Bradford's a elite metric guy, but you know, you sort of look at those types of things and you just sort of see who bounces back around, you know, take a shot on a guy who's been an established starter, take a shot on a guy, you know, um, who, you know, Blake Bortles is interesting to some degree, right? I mean, does he land on his feet as a starter? Probably not. But is he a backup to somebody? You know, he's got rushing upside. If there's an injury, can he masquerade as a, as a top 15 quarterback for six weeks? Absolutely. You know, so those are the types of bets that that's – those are the types of speculative options at dirt cheap costs that I would try and take. And I would try and take a lot of them, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick's and all those backup guys, you know, Matt Schaub, right? You know, those types of backup guys that if they land, you know that they that they have the capability to produce. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor, Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, we can come up with a lot of names. Yeah. 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 I, I, I like Tyrod Taylor because I, I – It's a great example. Tyrod's a great yeah. example. Like, he could legitimately start in Washington this year. Yeah, I mean, that's – they've got to do something yeah. there. I and mean, they, they have to do right. something because it does not right. appear that Alex Smith is uh, – if he ever plays again, certainly not in 2019 based on the reports we're hearing. Jordan, what do you want to look at next? You want to look at running backs and look at tight ends? I mean, maybe save the best for last with running backs. I don't know. His tight ends are kind of interesting. David Njoku, Hunter Henry, and Austin Safarian Jenkins. So there are two names on there that are, you know, definitely getting some buzz here in the off season. Uh, you know, David and Joku uh, finally going to break out next year. Maybe Hunter Henry, when he comes back, he's going to be maybe a top five, six tight end. Yeah. I like the tight end position quite a bit. Uh, you know, the, the Njoku Henry build is really nice. 
and you know is that a scenario where i might want to move off one of them and upgrade someplace else i mean that would be the type of deal that i would that i i think that's that you're dealing from a position of strength that would be something that i'd be interested in that you know and this is a this appears to be you know i haven't studied it in depth yet i'm working on running backs right now but you know once we get to tight ends there's a lot of talk about how the tight ends this is going to be a strong tight end class right so you can backfill with those third and fourth rounders you know that's you can backfill with with a couple of tight ends deeper and you know i don't think this team's in a position where i don't think this team's in a position where they're probably going to compete for a championship right now. But if everything breaks right, like I could see a scenario where things break real right. Uh, and if that happens, right, I, you're not held back by your tight end too, right? So I sort of look at that and, hey, let's, you know, let's build, let's take, you know, third round, tight, day two tight ends in round three of rookie drafts are good bets. That's a, that's a good general rule of thumb. And so if, if that's going to be a scenario this year, I like that, right? So you can sort of backfill that. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be a problem. You might be able to even take two of those guys, you know? And so that would sort of be my plan and maybe deal from strength from Njoku or Henry, you know, keep your finger on the pulse. I wouldn't be clamoring to sell, you know, to get out of them, but I think they're key pieces in an upgrade someplace else. Well, yeah, I was going to ask, <clears throat> I know you briefly mentioned this earlier, Jordan, but what, what would your, what would your handling of, of Antonio Brown be in this, in this scenario? Obviously, I don't think you, you trade him now, but you know, is, is he a guy that you would probably, because you, you kind of mentioned like he really, you know, if the roster isn't, you know, set to compete this year, do you kind of wait for that, either the news that he's staying in Pittsburgh or the landing in a good opportunity? You know, the, the um, 2019 season rolls around, we're in the preseason. Is that the time that you'd recommend Jake kind of unload Antonio Brown? Not, not undersell him, but um, isn't he a guy you'd probably, if this were your team, is, is he a guy that you'd want to try and move in the next 12 months? So he's a fascinating case, right? Because in, I, I do a whole chapter in, um, in my book about, about age. And uh, I'm trying to think of the most concise way to say this. I think age is the most misunderstood and narrative-filled area in all of dynasty sports, right? uh, dynasty football. I think it's – I think people just say things – and, you know, they take on a life of their own when, if you look at the data, a lot of it's not true. Okay. So I would say that generally speaking, and specifically with regards to Antonio Brown, he's got two different things going on, right? He's aging, right? He's going to be, I, I don't know what he is. He in his, what is he going to be 30? I think he's, I think, yeah, he's 30 now, 30 now. right? Yeah, so, so he's entering a, a phase of his career where his market value is going to sort of begin to drop. But what you'll notice is that those guys, right? It is not, it's not age that sort of hurts production. What actually happens is the, the players that play a long time, right? The players, the great players can play into their mid thirties. What happens with older receivers is that they start to wean out of the league. Right. And, and you'll see this, right. We, you know, Adam Thielen's going to be probably a good example of this, right. Um, Jordy Nelson to some degree, 
what you'll notice is that the guys that are low pedigree guys, they start to wean away. And the guys that survive into their mid thirties are the elite draft picks. Okay. Um, and the generational type players, right? Larry Fitzgerald comes to mind, right? The, the guys that are going to be hall of famers, right? Cause they can maintain that and ability into their thirties. Antonio Brown is a, is a generational player, but he doesn't fit the mold of being a high draft pick. And the high draft pick thing really, I think is important because it's a proxy for a lot of other things, specifically athleticism. And so, you know, when you get, when you get into your thirties, you tend to start to become less athletic, right? You know, you're not quite as able to separate, you know, all of those things. So it's the freaks that survive or the guys that move inside like Larry Fitzgerald. So Antonio Brown's got sort of two competing things going on about how he's going to age. Um, I tend to think with his tech, with his technique and everything that he's going to be fine. Um, but you know, the changing team, the guy that's 30 years old, you don't find, you know, it's not like he's going to go to a place that's better than, than Pittsburgh, most likely. Um, all of those things point to a tenuous thing, but everyone else thinks that way. And so I, I would, probably find a hard time selling him right now. So I guess it's a probably complicated answer to say, I don't, I'm, I probably feel safer on Antonio Brown long-term than the market does. But if you, I can see why you'd want to get out of him, but I don't think that this is the right time for it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So Jordan, you probably wait until the season starts and he puts up a big game and then, and then wait until there's good news. Like you don't even need to wait that long, but wait until there's good news, right? If he lands in San Francisco, there'll be positive buzz because everyone loves Jimmy Graham right. because he's handsome, mm-hmm. right? And he thinks he can make throws that that Patrick Mahomes can make, right? <laughs> and he can't. Spoiler, he can't. Um, but he thinks he can, right? So, you know, all of those things being said, right? I would, I would, you know, wait until there's good news. There'll be good news, right? That just, uh, you know, but now is not the week or this is probably not the month to do it. Right. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I just don't see at the end of the day. I, I think that that's it. I think he's going to stay in Pittsburgh personally. I just financially, I just can't see the Steelers making that deal. It just doesn't make a lot of sense for him. I, I think they'll make it work, but, but we'll see. I mean, it's certainly, certainly possible. Uh, Here's the thing though. I look at this roster and I don't, again, we're sort of saying, Hey, this is probably a long-term build. One thing I would be careful about though, is I wouldn't, you know, we, we were talking about this off air. We think we're a lot more certain on stuff than we should be. Right. And one of the things I'd say in my book is, you know, I think that you should be, you should, you know, have less, you know, you should have a lot of skepticism about your beliefs, particularly this far away from the 2019 season, right? We are eight months away from when they're playing football, seven months, seven months Mm -hmm. away from when they're playing football. And you sort of, like we have no idea what's going to happen, but like, let's assume for the sake of argument for a second that this entire roster breaks, right? Cam Newton's healthy, which I think there's reason to be optimistic. Uh, Case Keenum survives and has this, has a starting job. Okay. You got a quarterback too. Um, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny are probably going to have some level of being, a, you know, right around top 24 running backs. Nick Chubb's got the ability to be a top five running back. Guys could be a, a top 12 running back on heavy volume. You know, Philip Lindsay's hurt. Uh, Royce Freeman could come in and be the starter. I think he's the better player and he's an elite metric prospect. And maybe Chris Thompson gets healthy and is a good, is a, is a receiving back, right? You sort of put that all together and you have, you have good tight ends, right? There's a scenario in which this actually breaks right for him. 
I don't know if it's a championship contender, but there's a, there is a, you could tell me a story about how this team would be competitive. So I wouldn't, at, at this point, I wouldn't be trying to ship off Antonio Brown because you think he's going to be without value in six months. All right. Any other, th- so you went through some of the, um, some actually Jake's running back. So he's got uh, seven on his roster. The one you didn't mention is Chase Edmonds. Um, any thoughts on, on the running backs? Did, you know, it's, it's a pretty decent core of running backs. Of course it could be better, but anything you want to add, Jordan, would you try to do something with this running back core at all? Like sell any of these guys, try to acquire other running backs. What would you do here? I'm always, I'm always one to try and buy other running backs. So, uh, you know, and, and this league, right. I, I said earlier, I think running back over receiver and what I would when I'm building teams and when I do, you know, with my book, you can buy a strategy session and we get together and talk. But one of the things I talk about in the book and in the strategy sessions a lot is how you go about, I think your division for your team is really important. So typically what I try and do is be lean and mean at receiver. So generally speaking, we had this conversation off air. It was about Kiki QT and he had, you know, three or four boom weeks. Well, in the three or four boom weeks, he basically didn't start over, you know, like 23% of the time. Like that's how often he was started on fantasy teams, right? So you have these guys that are sort of on your roster. You know, Dede Westbrook's going to have a boom week. Marcus Valdez-Scantling's going to have a boom week. But the, the odds that you actually capture it and then don't take a beating on the other weeks is really low, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's just tough to do, <coughs> especially with low pedigree guys. So I would sort of be in the position where my goal would be to have, and especially in this league, we only need to start two receivers, right? You're, you're not going to start people over Antonio Brown or Mari Cooper, presuming that they're healthy, right? And at the flex, generally speaking, you're better off starting a running back because you have more predictability, you have higher upside, um, and, you know, you have a lot, they're just better starting options in terms of at your flex. So if it was me and I was trying to sort of nuke this team up, my goal would be to have twice as many running backs as receivers. And so I think that that comes out a couple ways. You know, like I said, I think Funches and Kenny Stills are good sort of holds for where they're at. And I would try and, you know, one thing that I've actually identified in my, in my research as well, it's not as much in the book. It's a little bit after it was some work I did after, but the, the value of a future first and we talk about sort of the, the quote unquote random future first. Well, you know, I put out some Twitter polls about that concept and it was really interesting because <clears throat> the, the random future first was, uh, you know, people think about it as a late first. Um, basically the majority of people, the vast majority of people either viewed it as one of two things, basically between 106 and 107, which would be the middle of the first round or a later first round pick. Um, and the most, the most common response was actually a late first round. So basically from 108 to 112. The data that I identified actually is that it's higher than that. And I ran simulations on it and it actually comes out a lot closer to the 105 than it comes out to the 107. It's, it's just short of being the 105 in terms of valuation. And I think, I think when you sort of think about that, it, it makes sense because the guys at the top, right? If you get a random first and it's a 101, that is a, that's a big deal, right? There's a, there's a gap there. It's not just a linear sort of going down, right? There's a, there's a big peak at the top and a, and a more steep drop off. And then it sort of levels out to the later part of the round. But the, those things, when you're, you know, when you're 
rebuilding, right? Trading Marquez Valdez Scantling in a, in a 19th third for a 2021st. Those are the types of deals that, that, you know, it, it takes 12 months of patience to actually, to, to pay off, but can pay off in massive ways and just massive dynasty changing ways. So those would be the type of deals that I would do, especially if I'm building, if I'm trying to rebuild a team. So we play dynasty, right? And everyone thinks it's forever, right? But what people don't do is play with patience. And you'd be like the most, one of the more contrarian strategies in all of dynasty is to play the long game, which is crazy because people think, get into this thinking, Hey, I'm going to do a long-term build. But when you truly implement a long game, right. And you truly implement patience, you'd be amazed, right? If, if, if David Johnson goes down in week three, Chase Edmonds is going to, is trade value is going to be out of control because they're going to think, Hey, I can start him right now. Right. So having those types of options, right. Trading for the pick that's a year out, the random first that's a year out, you know, having a lot of running backs. So that way, if, you know, someone gets hurt, they have an uptick in value or you can start them in season. Right. Those are the types of things that I would try and that I would try and build on with this particular roster. And, you know, having twice as many running backs as receivers is sort of the is sort of the build I, I really like. And that's what I would try and shoot for with him. Jordan, I really like your point about patience because we don't talk about that very often. And it seems like common sense, but all of us, we have our leagues that we're in and we're contending. And during the season where we think like, Oh, we're just one piece away. So, you know, we'll sell those younger assets for like the AJ greens of the world. Um, Cause we get motivated. Cause we, maybe we've been so close. Maybe we've lost the championship game two years in a row, but this year I'm going to do it. So you go all in or, mm-hmm. You get motivated. I, I get motivated sometimes when my league mates make a make trade. So if I see that Trey has made a trade, I'm like, well, Trey just made a trade. So did Will. Like, I want to get into the action too. So you're right. We we lose focus on that. And it's so it's so obvious, but yeah, remember that. Remember that when your season starts and, and we're we're into it and it's week four or five, six. And um, remember your, your strategy, the long game. I think that's, that can't be overemphasized enough. Uh, cause I, I, I look back to some deals I made during the year and now I regret them. And maybe if I'd won championships in those leagues, I wouldn't, but, but yeah, I mean, we, we get impatient and, and we, we move on from guys too soon. And no, I think it's a great point. And we overestimate the impact of one player. Right, we we way overestimate the impact of one player, and you'll hear you hear these stories every every week, every day of of the fantasy. Well, I lost because of so and so. No, you didn't lose because of so and so. You lost because your roster scored less than the other guy. Right, it wasn't because so and so had a bad week, or <clears throat> you know because you forgot you didn't start so and so. Right, it, it you lost because of a of a widespread re, a widespread amount of reasons. Um, or one for that, right? Generally speaking, I think I think one player can actually win you a week more than one player actually lose you a week, right? When Tyreek Hill went off in week one and had, what, 45, 50 points, whatever it was, right? He scored three touchdowns and just went insane, right? That wins you a week. But if he lays a zero, that doesn't lose you a week, you know? So I, I sort of look at those two things and, you know, we, we way overestimate one player. And so you know, when you're making those win now trades, unless it's a true difference maker, you know, that's why I was sort of on Gronk as a buy low. And unfortunately it didn't really work out, but you know, he's the type of player that can go, you know, 
eight catches, 120 yards and three touchdowns and win you a week. Um, and sort of that, that, you know, you know, the zero doesn't hurt as much as the, as that helps. And so, you know, but you got to worry about the cost, right? Selling off future first and all that stuff. If you're on the other side of those deals, you know, and I talk, I have some rules for that. I have some strategies for that in the book, something I call the rule of seven, um, the rule actually 97, like you, you sort of look at those two things and sort of how you apply them. And it just says that, you know, buying now for middling assets and trading off future first to do it is just a terrible process. Definitely. Do you want to say anything about his future rookie picks? He's got a second in 2019, a couple of thirds, a fourth, but then in 2020, he's got two firsts, a second, a third, or actually two thirds. So I mean, any thoughts on that? I mean, he, what's your advice to Jake? He should just hold those, right? Should he try to move those picks? I'd be in the volume business of picks, right? You know, and, and you know, when you're trading away, you know, when you're trying to trade, hey, get futures thirds, get futures, you know, do a third to a second upgrade, right? You know, get a, get a lot of picks. And, you know, if you look in my book, I have some real simple rules for how to capitalize on those late picks. Um, and, you know, I think they're undervalued. Again, you know, it's, it's how you use them, largely speaking. I mean, we talked, we had the Dynasty rookie, um, the rookie draft that we talked about, I think it was back in, what, May. And, uh, you know, when I was, he, one of the times I was here, and, you know, maximizing those picks is a big deal, right? And the hit rate's low, but if you do it right, I mean, you can, you can hit twice as often as, as your opponents. And if you're doing that, you know, two, three times a year, you know, you just, you just keep maximizing those picks. Um, you know, even the, you know, trade down from the two, you know, can he trade down from the 208 and get a, get a later third and get a future second, right? Those are deals that are possible. And if you sort of keep doing those things, you just, uh, I think it's, it's really compounds itself over, over time. You know, I wouldn't be in a position to, you know, I'm a big fan of, not selling off future first unless it's for elite reasons, right? You know, I did it for Julio this year in a league. I, I packaged um, some pieces to get Julio because I wanted the shot in the arm, right? But that's the exception to the rule, right? Julio is an elite asset. Now, I'm not doing it because, you know, Carlos Hyde was the starter in, Cle in Cleveland. Right. I mean, those are two massively different conversations. You know, I traded Carlos Hyde on a contender for a future first and the future first 104 and I won the league. Right. So, you know, I, you know, you sort of look at those things and now the guys, you know, without 104 and I've got 104 in, a, in an elite roster and that didn't hurt me at all. And it wasn't going to hurt me even if he started all season, you know, so you just sort of look at those things and, you know, I would be, a, but I would really be a big fan of like, Hey, I'll package, you know, Anthony Miller and something, you know, in, for a 2020 first, like that would sort of be my play. And then just, you know, try and try and juice up your running backs and just hope you get some good breaks there. So Jordan, we just want to thank you for coming on the fancy Joe's joining us again. Hopefully people that don't already own analytics of dynasty are convinced to go buy the book. So where do they do it? Yeah, so you can get it. Analyticsofdynasty.com is my website. Um, I have some content up there. I didn't put a ton of the, my findings from the book in there. 
on my website because I wanted people to buy the book to get the full advantage of the book. So there, there's some things on there that I found in my research that I just thought were super interesting. Um, there's some stuff about Brandon Cooks and James Cotter and sort of how they fit in there that are just sort of previews and stuff that I, I think is interesting. Um, but there's not a ton of the content from the book actually on the, on the website. So you can go there find some of those. They're just more fun things. Um, and you can, um, so you can go there, find that the book is analyticsdynasty.com and the specific link is slash shop. You can go there. There's two different options. You can get the book uh, for 30 bucks. It'll come in PDF. Once you buy the book, you'll have an immediate link to download it. It'll come as a PDF to you. You'll get it. You can start reading it instantly. Um, there's also an option for uh, the book with a strategy session. It's one-on-one strategy session. We get together, um, <clears throat> talk team building, uh, you know, those have been awesome. I think you guys have both done them, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And they're awesome. They've, I mean, they've been so much fun that I've learned a lot from them, you know, learned a, you know, I've applied a lot of what people told me in that to some research that I did for the book. So I was trying to be, you know, receptive to what people were doing. Obviously the super flex conversation that you and that Trey and I had a couple minutes ago was, is part of that, you know, that, that there's just not the data there to do it full justice, but that it's something that we need to do. Um, so that was, those have been super interesting. They're a lot of fun. I love talking, you know, we can talk about whatever, you know, we can talk team building, we can talk specific teams, you know, whatever. Um, those have been a lot of fun. You know, the people that order, um, sort of drive what we talk about. So it's, uh, they've been a lot of fun. So you can get, you can get that plus the book for 50 bucks. Um, and you know, the book's there for 30 bucks and you know, it's immediate, it's immediate download and right in your hands. So it's stuff you can immediately start implying in trades and rookie drafts and startup drafts. And this is, you know, like you were saying before, Trey, there's a lot of, whenever there's uncertainty in the market, it's a time to profit. And right now is the perfect time because there's a lot of uncertainty about landing spots and rookie picks and all those things. I mean, if you're aggressive and bold and want to get in trade and drafts right now, I know you destroyed value in that, that, draft that you were in just because everything was so different than what it should be. So yeah, you can, you can, all that stuff is stuff we should be doing right now, thinking about team building. And I think the analytics of dynasty will help anyone do that. Um, you can get it analytics of dynasty.com slash shop. And, um, if you have any questions for me, you know, I can, uh, I can answer them in my DMS on Twitter at McNamara dynasty. All right. That's great. And it's going to be in the show notes of this podcast. So if you know how to access those, you can click on the link. We'll you take you right there. So, I think that's all the time we have for today, but we're the Fantasy Joes. You can find us on Twitter, at FFJoes. You can join our Patreon uh, page, or become a Patreon supporter, I should say. Go to patreon.com slash fantasyjoes. On our next Patreon episode, we have Jordan disclosing this mystery running back that he likes from this rookie class. So if you are a Patreon subscriber, you have exclusive access to that podcast. And it is a, just so, just I'll tease it a little bit. It's a big time mystery player too. Not ranked in certain other websites. So yes, big time mystery player. So you want to you check that out. So thanks for listening, everybody. We are the Fantasy Joes.